to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Today's feature interview on the Unicorns is with Arctis. It's a publicly listed company on the ASX with the code AR9. Arctis is a global provider of software solutions for the secure collaboration of sensitive information. The company's information security solutions protect the world's most sensitive content in government, defense, supply chain, enterprise, and regulated industries. Arctis has over 15 years of experience delivering information security solutions within the highest security levels of the government and defense, as well as many big businesses. The CEO is Daniel Lai, and he joins me now. Daniel, welcome back to the Unicorns. Thank you very much, Justin. Glad to be here. I note that Arctis has recently received an R&D tax incentive payment of just over $2 million and extended its lending facility by a further $2 million. So does the company have any plans for further capital raising in the future, or do you think that you now have sufficient financial means to capitalize on the opportunities ahead in 2024? Well, thank you, and that's a good question. For us, we have always stated that there's three market opportunities for a re-rate of the company. The first one is to achieve cash flow positive. The R&D grant and rebate, which is a great gift from the Australian government, so Merry Christmas to the shareholders, thanks for that, is a reflection of how we invest in our product and development life cycle. And of course, we did have a line of credit there last year, uh, which we were able to extend. Uh, and we we have that in, in principle for when we win some of these large deals with the Australian Department of Defence or government, there is a surge capacity there for us to ramp up for those sorts of deliverables and programs of work. So the short answer is no. At this point in time, we, we are not envisioned doing a capital raise at this point in time, uh, and we think we've got enough um, runway there to, to make the most of the opportunity in the pipeline to see the company uh, grow and get to cash flow positive. So Arctis has announced a flurry of customer wins since we last caught up. They include the Australian Department of Defence, BAE Systems, the Bank of Finland, and Australian Naval Infrastructure. Has it been product advancements at Arctis, government pressure, or a mix of both that has been responsible for getting these over the line? Quite clearly, it's been a mix of both. So, for example, the wins there with the um, strain Naval Infrastructure, BAE, they're part of our overall strategy to be the premier provider of policy enforcement, data-centric security products for not only defence, but the defence supply. Australian Naval Infrastructure owns the Osborne uh, shipyards. Uh, BAE is a component of that continuous shipbuilding prime that services Australian Department of Defence. And as we know, there's billions of dollars being spent in that space. So how do they reinvigorate that industry, implement continuous shipbuilding, and to do that, they absolutely need to share classified information, uh, and we are that's our sweet pot. So that's really an execution, uh, demonstrating we're executing very well against our strategy. Uh, Bank of Finland actually was one of our clients that was left over from when we acquired the Cipher 
the Cypher Point technologies, and, and they've upgraded to our NC Protect technology and products uh, to, to deliver their secure information and data holdings. So, so you can see that we are versatile. Um, the strategy there is really one of win and dominate a market sector and then do your expansion. Um, so we are already proving that we have application in other verticals, uh, but we're not going to target those. Uh, we're not, certainly not going to say no to them, but we're not targeting those until we dominate in, in the target market to fund that. So we're looking at non-dilutionary ways of expanding our market. So that Bank of Finland customer, that stands out obviously as a non-defence customer. So do you, do you see more private sector non-defence customers as a potential growth area for Arctis in 2024? The greatest thing about our products is that they solve so many problems in so many verticals. The worst thing about our products is they solve so many problems in so many verticals. So, <laughs> and you're a micro camp. So, you know, we have a very distinct, uh, we, we, we need to be very, very focused, concentrate on where the priority is for, for which vertical we're going to attack and dominate, and then let that fund our, 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 our growth in other verticals. Like, as I said, the Bank of Finland and other um, wins such as DHL and a whole range of other demonstrates that it's the technology is applicable to a global market and global, multiple verticals. But we've got to be very disciplined and win one space first before we do that. Otherwise, you can be a scattergun approach. You waste a lot of money in marketing and, and sales, and, and, and you're not going to, it's much further away from profitability. We saw the government's six cyber shields initiative launched in late 2023, which highlighted the need for more sovereign capabilities, especially when it comes to cybersecurity. Is that something that Arctis specifically can capitalize on? Well, that, that's actually uh, an excellent question, and, and of course we can. So the, there's about $586 million being in addition to the $2.3 billion that's already been committed to solving this problem and creating Australia as a world-class cybersecurity nation um, over the next seven years. So that money is being spent over seven years, that $2.8 billion combined. Uh, out of those six shields, there's three that we are extremely well positioned to take advantage of. Um, the first one in, um, out of those six is number four, which is protected critical infrastructure. So what we do in our space, share, you know, securing information that need, is classified or sensitive and needs to be shared is quite a well aligned to um, home affairs desire for securing national critical infrastructure. And and if you ask yourself, what is national critical infrastructure, I, I, you're probably better off asking the question, what isn't national critical infrastructure? <laughs> it's energy, it's health. It's, it's everything. Food yeah. supply. It's, and, and we are seeing that, that, you know, what we have built up with just-in-time delivery across the supply chain and everything else after COVID just doesn't work. I mean, look at the cost of living exposures we've had after COVID and the flowers and, and fires and et cetera. So, so this is this is becoming critically important, and that is a niche that we we certainly are going to be targeting. Um, sovereign capabilities. We are a national sovereign capability. We're world class. We're world leading. We've been doing this a long time. We've got development labs in Melbourne, uh, headquartered in in Canberra, and um, finally there the resilient region and global leadership component that suits us to a T. 
because we're dealing with uh, defence, intelligence, government-to-government information sharing and classified information, and most importantly, that mandated zero trust. There's lots of companies using that as a marketing gig now to try and get business, but we have been doing zero trust for 16 years and are a world global leader in data-centric security. And what is this all about? It's all about protecting the data, and that's what we do, and that's where we have a competitive advantage. Um, and I think that what you'll find is that all of this ties back into, and I, yes, there's $2.8 billion over seven years with the Australian government and the cybersecurity strategy. Just have a think about that now from a defence perspective. There is $15 billion being spent over the next seven years for information and cybersecurity just in defence. And now you'll see why when we talk about how applicable our technology is to multiple verticals, why we are so focused clinically on winning that defence intelligence and supply chain space because the doors are open there and the geopolitical situation is driving that market exceptionally hard. And that's why you're seeing those those wins. Um, and it, well, our key investors, they'll start connecting those dots pretty quickly. So with the acquisition of Tesserant, there aren't now many cybersecurity companies for an Australian investor to look at on the ASX. Why do you think that is, Daniel? Look, Tesserant was an interesting case. Um, specifically, it, it was a services company that was listed. And it came from a um, automated security gateway services and then went into uh, consulting services and tried to grow its business that way. Um, I, I think uh, with the change in the market conditions, it struggled a little bit to get the multiplier that it was looking for in terms of um, pushing back shareholder value. And I, I think that's it been interesting to watch. Um, secondly, you know, it, it, you're, you're well exposed being an ASIC listed company and particularly for security. Um, it's a growth market. There's absolutely no doubts about that, um, but it's much easier being private and, and concealing your clients and, and your, your, your revenues and your, your forecast. Um, but for us, we're a product company and, and we do services, but we're services led for licensing of products. And, and that annual recurring revenue multiplier is what's uh, going to position our business for strong growth. Finally, I, uh, the goal has always been to develop an Australian cybersecurity company that can export globally and, and have a global marketplace. Now, um, that's why we have invested so strongly in the US and, and in the UK and our, and our other markets for that growth. And I you know, wanted the company to be available to Australian mums and dads and, and other uh, investors, uh, funds and so forth, to, to share in that journey with us. Arctis has both its US and Australian operations. However, you recently announced that your secure information collaboration and sharing platform for defence, Cogency, is now available in Europe. So what are your plans in this region? Again, this is uh, tightly tied to um, that growth strategy to, to demonstrate a global market and, and growth. What's driving it? AUKUS is driving it. Let's be, let's be <laughs> <laughs> a good place to be. I mean, yeah. look, you've got a, a, a market that is stagnant on the threat of recession constantly. But what you've got in defense is the fastest growing defense expenditure globally in the world, up to $3.2 trillion. Out of those two, uh, out of that $3.2 trillion, 54% of, it, of that money being spent comes from two countries, the US and China. That's what's driving it. 
Australia is behind in uh, out of six, according to Australian Strategic Policy Institute, we're behind in out of sixty-four technologies that provide a military competitive advantage. We're behind in forty-four of them. Out of the nineteen identified AUKUS technology, uh, out of the twenty-three identified AUKUS technologies, we're behind in nineteen of them. So, this ability to share information securely across not only the defence um, relationship between the US, Australia, and the UK, but the ability to integrate a defence supply chain and sustainment of those military assets is critical. And we are in that sweet spot. So, what's driving it? Well, Fujitsu run the secret cloud and the TS secret cloud for the Ministry of Defence in the in in the UK. So we're well positioned there. They saw the product, they demonstrated at the largest UK military conference. We got such good feedback that they signed a reseller agreement. Dan, the end of the year is a great time uh, to reassess things and to also look ahead. What uh, is your summation of uh, 2023, how it's gone, but what excites you most about the year ahead, 2024? Uh, look, we've done some excellent work uh, in 2023. We, you know, we um, at the beginning of uh, the, the financial year in J- June, we nailed a four million dollar proof of concept with the Australian Department of, of Defence. Um, that's been going well. We bagged BAE, we bagged um, Australian Naval Infrastructure. Uh, there's a whole range, Bank of Finland. There's a whole range of other customers. But what's been really impressive about that is seeing customers calling us now and onboarding. Um, so that momentum is starting to build, and that's what's really exciting for the rest of uh, 2024. So I, I'm seeing real momentum in the uplift and, and, and sales cycles of clients, and I'm seeing the size of those deals increase. And I think that once we hit those sweet spots of um, getting um, a sizable chunk of the market, the rest will sort of start to fall. So our ambitions of being the premier provider to sh- um, supply chain and infrastructure and defence intelligence and government is something that's very real for us that we're, we're highly focused on. Um, as I said, there's three market opportunities that we're focused on. One is cash flow positive. One is a significant licensing deal in the Australian Department of Defence, and one is a significant overseas deals with another defence department. Um, you know, we're, we're striving very hard to achieve all of those three deals, and and any one or two of those uh, sets up the company in a very different direction and a very different posture. Daniel Lai, CEO of Arctis, great to catch up with you again and all the very best for the year ahead. Thanks, Justin. Have a Merry Christmas and safe holidays. You too.